Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts. Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who is a, base, a Boston-based sports journalist and personality. Prior to contributing to the DraftKings Playbook, DraftKings TV, and DraftKings Live, he covered the Boston Celtics as a blogger slash reporter for WEEI.com, CLNSRadio.com, and CelticsLife.com. His work has also appeared on ESPN.com, HoopsRumors.com. So contributing to DraftKings, he's covered both news and DraftKings-related topics across all major sports. You can find his NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball articles on the DK Playbook. He also serves as an analyst on the DK Live app, where you can find his work covering up-to-the-minute injury and lineup news. In addition, he's been a personality on DK TV, hosting segments along with analyzing slates and reporting news on DK Pre-Lock Live. It is a pleasure to welcome Julian Edlow to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Julian. Hey, thanks for having me. You really rattled everything off there, making me look pretty good. <laughs> we try our best. So, you know, <laughs> before we get into the DraftKings stuff, since you are up there in Boston and you did cover the Celtics, let's talk a little bit about the two cornerstone trades that have really built this current Boston Celtic team in, into the team they are now, 40 and 19, second in the Atlantic. The first was the Celtics' uh, Paul Pierce, who was about to turn 36, along with 37-year-old Kevin Garnett and a 36-year-old Jason Terry for some players and tons of picks to from the New Jersey Nets. Which uh, still, it's the gift it, that keeps it, on giving and giving that keeps and giving. on giving. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the second one, which was also enabled them to do that, the trade for Kyrie Irving. How important was that 2013 trade to turning around the Celtics to what they are now? I mean, that, that deal was everything at the time. Um, you know, how many teams like the, you look at the Mavericks right now with Dirk, uh, just being one example, you know, if, if that was a player that could have turned into a pile of assets at one time, like the Celtics were able to get, that's something that could turn around a Mavericks team that's really, you know, struggling to, to find those young pieces outside of a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. So that trade at the time, uh, nobody would, I think, ever in, in the current NBA be willing to give exactly what the Nets gave at that time uh, after seeing how this trade worked out, because in the end, you can essentially argue it did turn into Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and in a way Kyrie Irving in exchange for for a rundown Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett at the end of their careers. So the next you know ten to fifteen years of of the Celtics' success is built off of flipping those guys at the end of their careers. It was the, the, the other the other part of that the, the equation was taking a chance on a college coach who really only had a couple of, a couple of good years. They bring in Brad Stevens as the coach. So how much did that really help? Who's the anti-Belichick, if you're right, talking about right. New England. Right. <laughs> and and you know, how, how much was that as much a factor, having the right coach, and how Brad Stevens was able to make the transition, as many college coaches have not been able to, from college to the NBA? Yeah, I think the Brad Stevens hire is definitely another part of, of the whole Celtics rebuild that just wound up working out so perfectly. Uh, Struggled a little bit at first, had to adapt to the NBA game. He had to adapt to, you know, I remember one of his press conferences that I was at when he was first here. And, you know, they were talking about, because that first season that he was here, they, they flipped the team around so much at the deadline. Danny Ainge just getting rid of junk to try and, you know, 
maneuver the salary cap and whatnot, and somebody asked Brad Stevens, you know, what, is, what does this remind you of? How, how do you react to a situation like this? And he's like, well, I don't really know. You know, in, in college, sometimes you have somebody transfer, or maybe somebody is, you know, sick or injured or academically ineligible, but to see a roster completely flip over in the middle of a season like this is something he's never had to deal with. And now, you know, five years later, considered one of the best coaches in the NBA. You hear his name right behind Greg Popovich. So I think he's adapted tremendously and been a huge part of what Celtics are because he, he created what Isaiah Thomas was last year in a lot of ways in that Celtics offense. And, you know, look, look at where they are now after this trade with Kyrie Irving, with these young pieces, how Jason Tatum looks. So you have to attribute I think the Celtics are in a great place with how Danny Ainge put them there, got the pieces that he got, but Brad Stevens has done nothing but improve that young talent and really enhance it uh, to the best that it can be. You mentioned Kyrie, and, and obviously Boston, New England, is a town that takes their athletes and they become bigger than life. Where is Kyrie in the overall scheme of New England sports? Where would you put his personality in the mix? Kyrie Irving's an interesting guy. He's been, he's taking a little bit of time, I would, I would say, to warm up to the media here. Uh, he's a very, very open, a very good interview, but uh, he doesn't necessarily wear his emotion quite as much on his sleeve like Isaiah Thomas did when he was here, really telling you exactly how he feels every day. And now, you know, maybe that's, that hasn't been the best thing for him. That might have gotten him, you know, out of Cleveland. But I, I, uh, Kyrie has, Really, uh, he's really been good with taking in what kind of sports town Boston is. He's been very good to the fans in the sense of hyping that up and saying that he appreciates being here so much in Boston. So I think Kyrie Irving is very well thought of by the fans and is really embracing the relationship with a sports city like Boston. We're talking to Julian Edlow on WLIE Sports Talk New York. We mentioned in the open how you were a, a Boston-based sports journalist and personality, but over the last few years, your focus has been more in the fantasy realm for DraftKings. Now, I'm one of those older guys who does not partake in draft. AJ's older than me, but does like... I, I, don't, road... I don't do daily. He doesn't fantasy. do daily. I, I do regular football, baseball... Right. Okay, and then Ryan is the youngest here, and he does partake in you know the fantasy realm. Yeah, but sure. I want to know, you know, how your job and what you did on a day-to-day basis changed from being a sports journalist and and covering a team into now doing the research and you know helping people to draft their daily you know DraftKings basketball team. I mean, other than being under the umbrella of writing about sports and being a sports writer, it's a completely different job. Um, you know, the daily, the daily beat writer thing is great. You get to be around the team, which is something, you know, that I would consider myself fortunate to have done and a lot of people want to do. But uh, fantasy has always been something that has really interested me, and um, I've been really fortunate to have the chance to work with DraftKings over the past few years uh, and really come to enjoy it just because the daily game is uh, it's just so different. There's a day-to-day process that, you know, you have to look at each night, how am I going to approach this slate? But every, every slate of NBA games or NFL and MLB, for that matter, are different every night. So it's been really interesting. It's all about how you, how you approach value. What is the player's salary? What is 
the injury news, all these trades that just happened in the NBA, all these teams now have brand new rotations that just try and, you know, figure out and assess how many minutes is this guy going to get with this person traded now. The Cavs, the Cavaliers obviously had a complete overhaul, so, you know, if, if you're playing drafts that evening, you've got to try and figure out almost a whole new team. So it's really interesting. It's something I've enjoyed a lot, and um, I'm, I'm really happy. Do you, with do, my role kind of in the fantasy community. Do you feel any sort of pressure knowing that based on what you said, people could either win money or lose money? Um, I mean, I, I understand that pressure. Um, hopefully I'm helping people more than I hurt them. But uh, I guess what I, what I consider myself doing is trying to give people advice about how to put themselves in the best position that, that night or that day. Um, there's a lot of times, you know, it's, it's Sports, the athletes still have to get out on on the playing field and perform. You can't predict injuries. You can't. Uh, the games are still going to play out how they play out. So, although I'm although I understand that pressure, I think that I at the end of the day am happy with you know the way that I try and approach my job with how can how can I put myself how can I put other people in the best position to to succeed with how this slate of games is is set up. Are there any formulas that you sort of use in your head? Anything, algorithms that says you, you rate this factor over that factor? If you're Prior game people, history. Prior game history, one-to-one. Trend lines, how they're doing the past game, two games, five games. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not quite as mathematical, I guess, as, as some others that, that have had a lot of success with this are or some of the professional daily fantasy sports players. Um, I mean, things that I think are important if we're just talking NBA is like I just spoke about, you know, what, what is this player's role going to be on this evening? So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a guy that generally plays 18 minutes, but player X is going to be out, you know, a, a, a late scratch with an ankle injury, and now he might play 27, 28 minutes, but is still priced at his, let's call it $5,000 salary, you're getting, you know, should be getting a player that's going to see a much bigger role and, you know, in effect, be able to score more fantasy points if he plays as well as he usually does during those minutes on the floor. So it's really, for me, about just looking for what players are in the best opportunity or have the best opportunity, rather, for that given slate of games, all in comparison to their salary. Who, who's been the most surprising top fantasy performers this year in the NBA that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you have said, yeah, I wouldn't take this guy. Who, who's been the biggest surprise for you? Um, I mean, a guy off the top of my head right there would be, you know, someone like a Lou Williams who started the season priced. I, I don't have this information in front of me, but I would guess somewhere in the, you know, 5000 to $6,000 range. And now he's, you know, an $8,000 plus guy on DraftKings averaging 22, 23 points a game, uh, very arguably could have been an all-star. So you've got a guy like that who's almost like a Jamal Crawford kind of like career off the bench, role scorer kind of guy who's just putting up a phenomenal season. So he was a guy at the beginning of the season that, yes, we know, we know Lou Williams could score. So he had a couple of those games and you go, oh, he's, you know, he's playing pretty well. But then you see it keep happening and eventually – DraftKings would have to adjust its salary and say, all right, you know, this, this is for real. So some a player, let's say Kristaps Porzingis, goes down for the season. And that affects, mm-hmm. you know, playing time and rotations on the Knicks and matchups. How much does 
a serious, a significant injury to a, to star, a star player, player. Uh, affect how you you know how you look at things? How does that affect fantasy play? Yeah, so that stuff is huge, but more so in the short term. So if Chris, when Chris Porzingis was initially ruled out, you've got guys like Ennis Cantor, like Michael Beasley, who are then underpriced due to even if their minutes only go up a little bit, their usage, the amount of shots that they're going to get, the amount of rebounds that they're going to get with Porzingis doing so much of that on the floor is just obviously going to rise to some degree. So that definitely factors in. Now, eventually, with, with Porzingis having been out a little bit while, a little bit of time now, DraftKings, the salaries have caught up to those players. Uh, Cantor, Beasley, those guys' new roles we, we kind of know what they are, so they're priced appropriately. So it's really more of a short-term thing where when somebody goes down long-term, there might be one, two, maybe three games where you can kind of capitalize on that. Um, but the real thing you're looking for is, you know, if, if Chris Stapps Porzingis was, was completely healthy but ruled out for, you know, tonight's game because of a uh, ankle tweak or just something that the Knicks wanted to give him some rest for, then for that one night, you're, you're going to have the same exact thing where you, where you can take advantage of a superstar being out and use that player's backups or the players that you project to kind of get those minutes and usage. How, how does a trade of a player who has not lived up to his potential, like a guy like Moutier, who's now going to a team who, whose coach is one of the best percentage shooters who possibly could change this guy's trajectory as a player, how does that change the thinking when you're looking at a, a DraftKings-type game? Yeah, for, I mean, from a, from a straight basketball perspective, I, I would agree with you. This is a good thing for Emmanuel Moutier's game. Uh, he hadn't been doing much in Denver. Jamal Murray was flourishing there. So definitely good for his career. From a DraftKings standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint, it, it all comes down to what that player's salary and role is going to be again. So got to focus in on the Knicks and see maybe rather than rather than uh, roster him too early when you're unsure, you know, is he going to play a lot in his first couple games with the Knicks? Maybe just kind of see what that role is going to be, what his relationship. I know they have Frank Nielakina there as well, another rookie guard that they want to develop. So kind of take a game or two, see what Moutier's role is going to be, and if it looks promising, uh, he, he still may be underpriced and in a place where you can come out of the all-star break and maybe take advantage of him. So I remember seeing, a, I think it was a 30 for 30 a few years ago about how this daily fantasy has turned into a billion-dollar industry and how certain guys have turned this into a full-time uh, you know, career, career where they're making a million dollars, let's say, at a tournament. So you said your, your job kind of changed as you went from daily you know, to someone that was covering the teams themselves, but where do you find your demographic of the people who are following things that you're putting out there? Is it people that are turning this into a career and following it every day, or is it people that just, you know, oh, hey, I wanted to play some fantasy basketball today. I don't have a league, but I'd like to play today. Yeah, no, I think it's the very, very large majority would be just your average fantasy player who wants to have some fun, and um, you can really make of it what you want. Uh, DraftKings offers contests that are a variety of prices and also a variety of different structures. If you want to play, you know, one of those tournaments where there's a very big top prize, you can do that, and the, the pay structure is going to, be, going to be scaled to that, where something normally roughly around the top 20% would get paid out. And obviously the higher you finish, the more you're going to win in that contest. But 
well, there, you don't have to you don't have to do that as well. You can play fifty fifties, double ups. Those are called referred to as cash games, usually in my articles and the articles on the DraftKings playbook, where you're going to enter, say, a five dollar tournament, and roughly the top half of the field gets paid out ten dollars. So if you're more comfortable with that, there's a way to you know set yourself up for a little bit more success there if you're more comfortable. So I think that uh, I think that my articles generally are uh, for, you know, your average fantasy player who's looking for a way to kind of find an advantage for that night. How can I take advantage of this slate? What's the news? What are the injuries? And try and help that person out. Excellent. Excellent stuff, Julian. Where can people find out uh, all your analysis? Where's the best place for them to keep up with you on social media? Yes. Yeah, so the DraftKings playbook, uh, you'll find my articles Monday through Friday, uh, content on, you know, the slate for that evening, uh, the DK Live app is a great way. I mentioned such an important part of this is following the injury news, stuff like that. So the DK Live app is a really great way to stay in touch with all that. Uh, and then on Twitter, uh, Twitter at Julian Edlow. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it, Julian. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You got it, Julian Edlow.